0: Good morning, Northern Hills Church. Hey, it's great to be with you this morning. Got a new uh, slide there this morning just to lead us into this series that we've been spending time uh, with over the last couple weeks called Winning the War in Your Mind, and this is uh, based on a book that pastor and author Craig Groeschel put out, so I want to welcome those of you that are here in person and those, of of course, that are joining us online for the third week of our series because we've been talking about how if we want to change our lives, it may just start with changing the way we think. And I love this song that we just talked about, The Goodness of God, um, uh, and the lyrics to that song, because God is good. He's moving in the context of this series. We have been experiencing as a church, uh, not only individuals that want to go deeper, on this subject. They're uh, buying the books, getting the book on Amazon just to check out what Pastor Craig wrote about. Uh, but we're also getting uh, just these testimonies, these stories of bells going on for the first time for individuals. Yeah, I really can change the way I think. And God's created me and these neural pathways in such a way. Uh, we've been uh, having people come and seek counseling uh, more uh, than we've experienced in a while. And these aren't just marriage counseling or, or um, um, deep-seated issues. Sometimes it's just some individuals that are calling I need to meet with a third party to work through this stronghold or this rooted issue I've been going through and so praise God praise God for all he's doing in and through this series and so we're going to continue diving in the premise if you haven't been with us for the first two weeks is that our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts and so some of us truly are looking to change our lives and some of us are just in a good place we're having decent lives right now. And we're not necessarily looking to make some drastic changes. We're, we're living a pretty decent life for the most part. And um, I found myself sort of living in that same um, season, uh, if that's you. Uh, I was just realizing as I was prepping for this message, I definitely came out of a, a brutal summer and um, uh, just a lot of things in my personal family, just navigating and whatnot. But living in that pretty, pretty decent season of life. But I asked myself this question, did I still find myself complaining a lot? Because it's interesting, I don't know if you find yourself to be in a place of life being pretty decent, but you find yourself just being maybe a little bit negative with your thoughts, and it's amazing how we can sort of be individuals that will sabotage or self-sabotage even good seasons with negativity, negativity in our thoughts that sometimes even snowball into something that then makes our lives not decent at all. And what we've been talking about through this series is that there is a battle going on. There's a battle in our minds. And those can be really large battles that we're navigating, but they can be really small as well. Sometime that have the ability to drift, to snowball, and then make life not everything God wants it to be. And so I want to review a key verse that we've been in. This is really sort of our our life verse, our our series verse for this entire winning the war in your mind. And it comes from 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Again, this has been a repeat. You've heard this if you've engaged with this series the first couple weeks. Apostle Paul speaking to the church in Corinth and he says this, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do, as he's referencing the battle in our minds. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ." And this is where we've really landed for our first two weeks, this scripture. Because the Apostle Paul is saying, for though we are human, we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons to do what, does he say? To knock down strongholds. That's what we talked about in week one. Is just to identify, just to give voice to, to name a stronghold that has been keeping us back. And and another way to say stronghold would be the wrong pattern of thinking in our life. Something that's maybe even dominated our life for as long as we can remember. And then the second way, I love what Pastor John spoke about last week. We just demolish arguments, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So how do you defeat the stronghold? We go into the truth of God's word. That defeats the stronghold. We look at the knowledge of God, the truth of God's word, and we create declarations. We declare our declaration of truth that will help us defeat the stronghold. God's truth tells us who we are. God's truth defeats the lie that we've been telling ourselves, the story we've been telling ourselves for as long as we can remember. And Paul concludes this portion of scripture. This is where we're going to be today. And we take captive every. We take captive every thought. We take captive. I want you to pin that, and we'll definitely be back there this morning. Over these last couple weeks, we've been talking again of the power of the mind and how God's created the mind. We've been talking about just the uniqueness in each of us in these neural pathways that we have Uh, That's what's been created. And what's interesting is that when we think a thought, we actually are creating patterns. We're creating that pathway in our brain. And more often than not, the the thought that we think, it becomes easier to think that thought again. That's what creates the neural pathway. I'm trying to expand on that idea today. I'm going to introduce something that may be new to us, maybe something we've heard for the first time. And it's what people call a cognitive bias. Are you familiar with this? Another way to describe a cognitive bias would be what our mental filter is. What is a cognitive bias? Just a simple definition this morning for us. A cognitive bias is a mistake in reasoning based on personal experiences or preferences. A cognitive bias is a mistake in reasoning, but it's a mistake in reasoning based on what we have personally experienced or what we personally prefer, And it's why it's called a mental filter at times. So, for example, if you grew up in a context of, let's say, uh, 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 something really bad happened to you, your framework or your personal filter will go through that situation and maybe you begin seeing things a little inaccurately. I'll dig deeper into that example. Let's say your context, your difficult context, was that you grew up around abusive men. And so, you were hurt and you were abused by men. Now, a lot of times, when you engage with men, even though your mind tells you that all men aren't hurtful, all men aren't abusive, the reality is you land, because of what you endured, your filter tends to shape how you see men. Because of what you experienced, you oftentimes will make an inaccurate judgment. Maybe not just even based on what a man says, but based on what a male or a female can say. But that's because of a personal experience. Another example. If you grew up with a family, let's say parents, that said really bad things about wealthy people. I feel like my, great, uh, my grandfather was one of those individuals a little bit. He was always sort of bagging on what was uh, just wealth and people that had money. And he didn't do it maliciously. It was just something he did. But if you find yourself now personally, let's say you grew up in a family of origin like that. and You start actually finding financial freedom. You, you actually financially are successful later in life. Maybe you might feel guilty maybe you might feel ashamed of that and it's not bad in of itself that you've experienced wealth it's just the filter shapes what you see so here's a a note for us to take down this morning filters often shape how we see life filters often shape how we see life but we get this nowadays more than ever if you change the filter you can change the feel change the filter change the feel we know this I'm going to ask you to be honest this morning, asking you online to be honest. How many of you have been on the social medias, and you sort of post that picture? You know, it's not the greatest picture, so you filter the picture, right? Some of you are smiling. Some of you know you've done that. See, when I was growing up, (laughs) the filter that we used was called glamour shots, all right. Some of you are familiar with that in the 80s. Uh, it was called, that was, that was the filter of the 80s. All right. It was called the Glamour Shot. And if you have a Glamour Shot, I'm going to ask you to get on social media. And please like hashtag Northern Hills Glamour Shot or something like that. Post it today and we'll all laugh with you, right? Because there was just something about that filter that we were telling ourselves, it changes the feel, because look at me in my glamour shot. I wish I had one. I was going to show you one like that I took, but I didn't take one. Um, I know a lot of other people I could throw under the bus that took one, and maybe I should have done that this morning. But it was basically this filter, right? This, this, this movie star photo shot. And what we know is when we change the filter, that's not just for a photo. It's also life. If you change the filter, it can change the feel. Uh, a cognitive bias, and again, we'll call this our default filter. When our brain is prewired to think a certain way, or when it's prewired to interpret a situation, or have an interpretation that's in, incomplete, sometimes then we have an incomplete, accurate picture. We don't view something as it is. It's why two different people can come to a very different response with the exact same thing. Have you ever been uh, at your workplace, and your supervisor can meet with two individuals? They can give the exact same feedback in the exact same way at the exact same time of the day with two different people, but those two people will receive that feedback very, very differently. One person might be offended. Well, why are you giving me that feedback? (laughs) Why are you telling me that? You, You don't know how valuable I am. You don't know what I mean to this company or this organization. I mean, you're giving me this feedback, but now what am I supposed to do with that? And then another individual, the exact same feedback at the exact same time, can be like, you know what? That was really helpful. Thanks for being willing to address me with that feedback. Thanks that I think I can do a better job now, and I really appreciate that you confronted me on that. Thank you for the feedback. It's not the facts that were different based on that supervisor approach in that person. It's the filter. Because filters often shape how we see life. Two different people can walk into church. And they can walk in and one individual can be like, well, all Christians are hypocrites. You know what? I hate this experience. I, I don't even know if I'm going to ever want to come back. The music stinks. The pastor looks like a dork. And I don't even have any idea, you know, what I'm doing here. And another person that comes alongside with them can say, wow, this is a really cool place. People are so loving. I love the music here. The pastor still looks like a dork. But I think that the God is doing something in this place. And, he's expe- and we are experiencing something, right? Two different filters. And depending on what news sources we consume. Ye- now I'm going there, right? What we read or what we watch. We can be convinced that the vaccine is the answer to every problem this year, that the vaccine will solve all of our problems. Or if we read a different story, if we take in different news sources, we can be convinced that the vaccine is the most dangerous thing in the world that will kill us, that it probably has a chip in it to track us, right? I know that's getting into dangerous territory, but that's our reality. Two different filters with whatever fact-based thing you're going after. And just so you know, just so I don't get the emails, just you're right, all right? However you think, you're right. And I'm agreeing with you. Whatever side it is, you're right, all right? So that's it. It's not the facts that are different. Here's what I'm getting at. Whatever facts we're reading or consuming, what is it? It's going to be the filter. It's how we take it in. It's how we perceive it. And we can see examples of this even through Scripture. This is why I love how God has made us and how he's created us to be this. I want you to engage with the story in the Old Testament. We can't go deep dive this morning, but it's such a good story. Make this your homework for this week. It's in Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapter 13 and 14. But Moses sends out 12 spies. And they're to go explore the land that God has promised, the Lord has planned for his people. So 12 of them go out. And they see the exact same thing. But the reports that came back are entirely different because it was the filter. Two of them come back. Oh, my gosh. This is beautiful. This is a land that's flowing with milk and honey. It's amazing. It's perfect. God's favor is upon us. Let's go take the land. And then 10 come back with a different perspective. And I find it interesting that 10 came back. It's sort of funny. 10 out of the 12 come back, and they're a little bit more negative. Unfortunately, that sort of sums up where we can live a lot of times. It represents a lot of places or a lot of spheres of influence we sometimes find ourselves around that aren't fighting for a positive attitude. 10 come back. They say, this is dangerous. (laughs) Have you seen the individuals we're about to invade? They are giants. They are of great size. The people and the land will devour us. They will devour us as they are giants. We are like grasshoppers in their eyes. Now I can promise you, if you go read that story in Numbers chapters 13 and 14, just to gain perspective, none of those 12 went to go connect with the giants to to speak to them and get their perspective on getting this land. What happened was that the personal filters changed the perception of how they felt. And some felt like grasshoppers in the eyes of the people they were about to take over. And some felt that God has got this. And we are going to have this land that he's promised us. It wasn't the facts that were different. The dudak came back. They still saw the giants. They still saw the, the outcomes that could happen. But they knew something different. It wasn't the facts. It was the filter. Because filters often shape how we see life. Now check this out. When it comes to how we see life... I don't think we can just lean into the filters. It's not just the filters that matter. And here's why I say that, because if that's our cognitive bias, if uh, the cognitive bias is our default filter, a lot of times that's been formed in each of us because of even something that happened to us that was really not our plan, something that happened to us that has stayed with us. And so because of our experience, because of our personal upbringing, it's hard to change the filter. Now, God can do a great work, and he can change those filters, but we've all heard the saying, old habits die hard. Old filters die hard. They're hard to change. Filters can often, yes, shape the way we see life, but they're not the only thing that matters. I believe the people of God, the thing that we can take, a next step in of hope and of God's power, is when it comes down to how we see life, it's not just going to be the filter. It's also the frame. It's not the filter all the time, it's also the frame. See, you can be in a very same situation with another individual, but how you frame it can change and determine how you see it. I've been working on this very specific thing with my personal counselor right now. And we've been talking about just reframing situations. We've been talking about reframing uh, relationships and what that means. So what does it mean to reframe a situation or reframe a relationship? The definition, creating a different way of looking at a situation or relationship by changing its meaning. That's what reframing is. is creating a different way of looking at a situation or relationship by changing its meaning. I'll give you an example. You can reframe a day. How, how, How does it look like for some of us when we wake up and we are getting already ready for the bad day we wake up and we say I got so much to do today I I have so much on my plate I don't know how I'm gonna get it all done I go to work with these individuals and some of these individuals are making me pull my hair out they're driving me a little crazy I don't know how I'm all gonna get all this done and life is hard life is bad I'm overwhelmed and I'm so tired and then it starts to, again, that's the snowball, right? This was just the framing of the day, but then all of a sudden, oh my gosh, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> my husband, my, my, my spouse is driving me nuts. Why do we have so many kids? I didn't want all these kids. Why do we have so many children? Tro- my, my car is like, I'm sick of my stupid car. I don't even like driving this car. I hate people. Here we go. And that snowball, it turns into the, sort of this life indictment. And for some of us, I just described what we felt like on Monday, right? That's sort of how it works. But here's what's interesting. When we start the day that way with that thought process, isn't it interesting how we can actually have a really bad day? You can come home having experienced this was just a crummy day. And it was something we already set in motion in so many ways. Reframing, framing it in the wrong way can dictate that day. Now, what if we woke up and said, oh, I have a lot to do today. I have so much to do. But I'm thankful I got the day. I think, you know, I, I got some people at work. I know they've driven me a little crazy. You know what, though? That's, as a whole, these people are pretty cool people to work with. In fact, I love what Jim does. I love what Nancy does for our, our organization. I'm just, yeah, okay, I, I got a car to get me to this place. I should be grateful I have a car. That sort of makes me rich than most of the world, actually, when you really break it down. I have a vehicle to get me to work. Oh, wait, wait, I'm going to work. I have a job. How grateful for that. Okay, we're just going to grind it out. We're going to get a lot done. And it's in that scenario, the facts haven't changed. Still a busy day, but the framing changed. It's not just the filter. It's also about the frame. How many of you have heard the saying, You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you react to it. Well, I would just offer that sometimes what happens to us, we can't control the factors and how things happen to us, but we can't control how we filter things. We can't control the reframing of that because it's not just the filter. It can be also the frame. So here's what I want to do today. I want us just to slow down. I want us to consider and think about what we have wanted for our lives. And maybe for our lives currently, you're sitting there, and what you had in mind for your life, right now the opposite is happening. Right now just the opposite seems. to. Maybe you thought you would be doing a certain thing, you'd be in a certain place. Maybe you thought you would have accomplished a certain thing by now, or that you would be in a different kind of relationship right about now. And what you really, really wanted is something that you could have had by achieving or accomplishing or just having. And you're not quite there. You're on the opposite end of that. And you're just confused by that. If that's you here in person, if that's you online this morning, I just want you to know that the Apostle Paul knows exactly what you feel like. Because this man, to me is one of the most incredible men to look to in the context of Scripture because you have a guy that all he wanted to do, once God transformed him, once God changed his life, all he wanted to do was please God. All he wanted to do was talk to others about who God was. And so he felt like, I just want to go to Rome. I want to preach And that wasn't self seeking because he knew if he went to Rome, the epicenter of the world, he was going to be able to hit the most people with the message of the gospel. This would have been the most strategic place to spread the gospel all over the world. It was his dream, it was his bucket list, it was the top thing on his prayer request. And instead of being in Rome preaching the gospel, he's in Rome as a prisoner a prisoner. He's locked up. He's he's on house arrest. He's awaiting possible execution, everything that he had wanted, and he got the exact opposite. Now, he could have framed this situation any way that we might have framed this situation. So, let's, let's see what He could have said. And this is from Philippians chapter 1, 12 through 13, from the NWV version of Scripture, all right? This is the New Winers version of Scripture. And here's what Paul would have said in this He said, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me really sucks. As a result of the hell that I've been through, that I'm going through, I'm quitting Life Group. I'm done with it. I'm never going back to church. The pastor looks like a dork anyway. I'm just done. And that's what he could have said. That's what he could have said because of his circumstances in the NWV version. All right? Now, for those of you new to church, if you're new online, that's not a version. You might be looking for that now. Where's my (laughs) NWV version? Actually, I sort of like that version. i might like, is that a, it's not, all right? That's not going to be in the Bible anywhere. It sounds like a good version. Maybe I'll check that out in the future. No. Here's what Paul said. The practitioner, the practitioner of reframing said this in Philippians chapter 1, 12 through 13. This is the real version of scripture. He says, and I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. Christ. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that even though things don't look very good at all here, and I get it, everybody's looking at it, this doesn't look good, this is all to advance the gospel, because it's become clear to the palace guard why I'm here. I know it looks like I'm in bad shape, but I've reframed this. I've reframed this because it's clear to everyone else that I'm actually in these chains because of Christ. Who's the prisoner here, everyone? See, I'm locked up to a Roman guard for eight hours a day. I have an audience of one that gets to hear my gospel presentation, gets to hear my life and how God has transformed it and how he can transform theirs. And then guess what? Every eight hours, they're chaining me to another guard, and I get another captive audience A new, influential person every eight hours to sit here and listen to my eight-hour sermon. How good is God? In verse 14, he says this, And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence And they boldly speak God's message without fear. Because individuals are able to see what I am experiencing now. And even though it looks bad, they see me overjoyed with this opportunity. It's given more individuals the courage, the fight, the power to be boldly speaking about God's message without fear in their own life. And that's how he frames it. A reframing and so what does that mean for us I just want to give us a real simple thing this morning as we look to reframe our stories and relationships around us because what's going on I get it I get it what's going on for many of us in our lives right now even if life's pretty decent maybe our negativity or maybe just some negativity of the world it's complicating things we all have stuff in this room okay I have stuff, and I know you have stuff. You've come with your stuff, every single one of us. We have the, the stuff with our family. We have the stuff going on with our kids. Some of us have stuff going on with our neighbors, people that we work with. Some of us are getting the bad news stuff from the hospital, the reports that we didn't expect. We're dealing with the bad behavior stuff with our spouses, our kids, our kids fighting with our spouse stuff, financial problem stuff, bad news that's on the news, kind of stuff that we're navigating, bad news in our extended family with our friends. It's just stuff, 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 stuff. And I get it. But so often, so much of life, even in being maybe pretty decent, there's this small part of the stuff that can end up growing bigger and bigger and taking us away from God's perfect will god's perfect plan for our lives and i wonder if we just took an opportunity to reframe the stories and reframe the relationship so a specific tool i believe this will help us renew our minds i believe this can be a thing that will help us navigate those negative thoughts and help us change our lives second corinthians ten five. what did i ask us to pin we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to christ I think we capture and we reframe. We just capture and we reframe. And I know there's a lot of nuance to that. Really, Brandon? Every single thought I'm going to capture? Maybe not. Maybe it's just going to be one. It's going to be the Freda household whose car broke down recently. And every other time, the car breaking down and having to car shop and look for a new vehicle is just a pain. I was just saying, Lord, I take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Would you help me reframe my situation? To begin thinking about how means were made available in my family, to be thinking about how, again, it's just been nice to have someone else step in and the way they felt they could serve me was by borrowing their old clunker for a while while I go car hunt. And just reframing that. A couple weeks ago, I was doing a vow renewal for a family uh, of our church. And it was to celebrate 50 years of marriage. Um, Just something we don't see much anymore. Something we don't get to celebrate much anymore. What was so cool for Jenny and I as we got to attend this event is there was a video that was capturing their story prior to this vow renewal. It was a family from the Philippines that had come out to America and really sacrificed everything. See, in the Philippines, they were very affluent. They had housemaid, they had people watching the kids, they had servants just galore, they had the latest and greatest vehicles, they had very great means to food and finances. They were just, they were it in the Philippines. And they came to America to find a better life, to find more freedoms. And in doing that, they lost all that affluence. (laughs) They lost everything. They'd start from scratch, taking jobs that no one else would want. And in doing those things, they put themselves in this sacrificial place, in this place of humility that just wore on their marriage, wore on as kids started getting introduced to their life and just all the dynamics there. But they continued to have faith that God was moving and making a better way for their life. They continue to work hard and work smart. They continue to have strong character. And this video, this compilation, I'm telling you, Jenny and I, my wife and I were the only two in the room that had no context of the inside jokes of this family or the backstories of this family, but we're watching this scene on the screen and we're bawling. We're literally looking across the the table and we're crying because of this moment of all of these kids, they have five kids, they have 14 grandkids, they have six great grandkids, more coming. And all of these individuals were sharing to those two that they have dramatically changed the course of their life, the impact of their own marriages, the impact in raising their kids, the impact in seeing kindness and character. And so they're getting to see what all of us wanna see at our funeral. We would love to be able to look down and see this story captured of our life at the end of our life, that our life mattered, that our life counted, and they're being able to view all of this real time. And it got me thinking, what if we just reframed and stopped thinking about the temporal? We talked about that week one, stopped getting away from the temporal and started being fixated on the eternal. That what would our video look like? and saying, God, take captive this thought of fear, take captive this thought of me wanting to be greater and bigger and better and help me just influence the people that you've put in my sphere, because that can make all the difference in the world. See, those two were renewing their vows, but they were able to look beyond their vows and celebrate the 50, 60 people that were just in that room, many more that couldn't be there because they were just represented in the video, and that was their legacy, wasn't there money wasn't how much they accomplished in life it was the relationships and the people they impacted to frame a brand new generation of character and kindness and hard work that was their legacy and I know that's what you want you want your life to count I want my life to count God help us take captive everything And then we can trust and know this, that it is going to go well because God is in control. God is moving. God is moving us from our Philippines to our new adventure in America, whatever that is. And he's working through that even when we can't see it, even when we don't know what the outcome is, even when we don't know what the video will look like, he is working and he is moving, and so all eyes on Jesus, all hearts on Jesus, and he will help us to take captive those very thoughts that we're asking him to. Would you pray with me? Father, we just ask you to come in right now, Lord. Yes, that's our declaration, God, that we want to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ, Lord. Lord, every thought feels overwhelming. Maybe this week help each one of us capture one thought and make it obedient to your goodness. Lord, I pray for each one of us that we would stop shaping our circumstances and have those things be the thing that we view you through, that that's where our lens comes from is through our circumstances. Instead, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, by the power of the good work on the cross by Jesus Christ, would you come in and actually have our circumstances shaped through your goodness? Because your goodness is overwhelming. Your goodness has met each of us in our own lives time and time again. And you are making a video of our life when we lean into you that will have a legacy that speaks to God's goodness and God's favor for his people. God, it is well with you. And so help us rest and sit in that, that you are in control. Our eyes, our hearts are fixed on you. And we pray these things in your great name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message. If you'd like to get involved here at Northern Hills, check out our website at inhills.org or download the Northern Hills app. We hope to see you again soon.